I'm not sure if I have like the correct definition of AI, but I think the most popular one is um, AI is just basically trying to mimic human behavior. Hello friends, welcome to this new episode of Gems Makes Podcast. Today we are hosting Yahya Buddha. Hello Yahya. Hi, how are you? Really good, thank you. Yahya and I are friends since 2016. We have met in uh, online first in 2016 when a scientific contest held by the U.S. Embassy was uh, was launched here in Algeria, and we participated both. And it was it was about making a video of explaining a scientific concept. We both participated, and we both won a trip to the U.S. to to the NASA space camp in Alabama, Hansville. So Yahya, do you remember those days? Yeah, those were really fun. <laughs> yeah so what what did the u.s trip add to your life um uh, i think definitely ask more questions and be a lot more skeptical i mean i'm a lot more skeptical right now than i used to be before that trip yeah so you're yeah. becoming more scientific in sort of a way i guess i just uh i'm challenging my own ideas all the time so i try to read more and right yeah you just discovered that you are you are learning uh, even if you're learning a lot and you're making some good efforts there there are people better than you so you just try to catch up and try to learn more try to question more so that's for me how i feel after coming home yeah i mean there's so much that you can learn uh i mean there's so much that one can learn so it definitely encouraged me to learn more um about space and about everything yeah so so do you still have the same relationship with with space and uh and uh i don't know planets comets and all those or did you just uh, dive into computer science and forgot about space i wouldn't say so i mean uh the two years after that trip i became a total space nerd i mean i would (laughs) read books about astronomy and the history of science and all that uh pretty much every day or just most days of the week. Uh, but right now, I'm focusing on probably the human brain or just AI in general. So this is what I'm spending most of my time on. All right. So after that, you had your baccalaureate exam and you have chosen to pursue computer science. So why did you choose computer science in university? Well, I guess the first reason is I've been using my computer for almost a decade now. So I spent a lot of my time on the internet. Uh, you know, back then when I was a young teenager, I used to do a lot of digital digital art. Um, and then I moved into programming and doing all kinds of things. So I kind of enjoyed being with spending time on my computer. And the other reason is actually there's two more reasons. So the second reason is the problem solving aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms third, writing algorithms and solving problems. Puzzles and all sort of things, yeah. And the third reason is definitely, I think, AI. I mean, it just felt like the right thing to do right Mm -hmm. now. So we've always liked the human brain, how it works, how it processes, uh, I mean, data, how we think, how we recognize things and all those things. And now you are 
uh, I can say an AI enthusiast. Can you give us some definition of artificial intelligence, Yahoo? I'm not sure if I have like the correct definition of AI, but I think the most popular one is mm -hmm. um, AI is just basically trying to mimic human behavior, or it's it's just trying to, um, it's just the belief that human thought can be mechanized um, or can be automated. Okay. Right. I would say more of automated because uh, if we talk about mechanics, we would uh, slightly go to robotics, don't you think? So I guess yeah. robotics are about the physical part of humans and AI is about the the brain of humans. I mean, the, the thinking part of humans. Yeah, there's definitely two sides to it. There's the mind and then the body. And when talking about the mind, what I meant by saying mechanized thoughts, I meant that human thoughts can be something that is quite understandable, or it's just something that is super rigid. It's not something that's fluid, or it's not something that you can, I mean, it is, it, it's not something that you can, so far, nobody has, has ever been able to demonstrate that human thought is something that's, um, that can be automated, or that can be mm -hmm. mechanized. Right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, maybe maybe because we we had some sort of fear against that. We we usually think of it as a Terminator movie, well, machines will decide in our places and all that. So before just go into the uh the, the perspectives of AI and the dangers of AI, I would like to go to definition because the definition because I usually on this podcast I start with definitions. So I found a definition here. So artificial intelligence is an area of computer science that emphasizes the creation of intelligent machine that work. And react and, and reacts with the humans. So, it is it is uh, it is about working and reacting with the humans. So this is why we need machines. And so, when 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 we say reactions with humans, that means that humans once had the desire to make machines to talk with them, to uh, to help them uh, study, work, and do their their tasks. So can you talk a bit about the history of AI? And how did the human desire start to to start making algorithms or intelligent algorithms that we call nowadays AI? Right. Um, I guess the history of AI are just you know the idea of of um, the idea of machine just goes back. You know, it's it's a really old idea. It's 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 in no way new. Um, right. It it just goes back all the way to the Greeks. Um, oh, really? Yeah. But, but uh, they didn't have computers. They didn't have the turning machines at the time. They, <laughs> so they didn't those have were computers. perceptions. All right. Yeah, they didn't have computers, but they they just held the idea that they can sort of, and, and I keep just getting back to this, they held the idea that they could mechanize human thought. They can sort of... Um, yeah, they can reverse engineer the brain, the human brain, I would say. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe they could understand what causes their thoughts to arise or mm -hmm. just create a theory of the mind, uh, so to speak. But uh, the, the more recent, I would say that AI, like the real artificial intelligence that you use computers to test it on or you create algorithms to you know, test on your own computer, that just started like 70 years ago. It was in the 1950s, I believe. Mm -hmm. All right, because I, I was just reading something on Google. 
not long ago, and I found that it started around uh, 1958 for the neural networks. And some people say also that Turing has some predictions about it. Did you hear about that? I yeah, mean, right. Turing, the father of computation. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he, I believe he published a paper. I'm not sure. He probably published his very famous paper in the 1960s. But before that, uh, it wasn't before neural networks came along, really, it was more AI was mostly symbolic. So it was completely rule based. You'd have these systems that would that you would literally just hard code with human knowledge um, in just really simple, dumb, if then statements. And then you'd use that to sort of answer questions or do all kind of all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that just came out of that. So, for example, there's the Elisa, which is like a chat bot that just fools you into thinking that it's a human that's talking to you. But it's super dumb. I mean, if you if you just go on YouTube and actually type Elisa and see what it's like, uh, the the answers of the chat bot, they they seem you know they seem programmed. They're not in any way genuine. They're not. I mean, they they seem like it, they were hard coded by by mm -hmm. a human. So yeah, yeah so so uh, would we see this sort of uh, I don't know these these projects? We sometimes may say we are still far from reaching our goal of making uh, natural like uh, react. Uh, I mean, interactions with with machines. But sometimes when we see I don't know YouTube giving you exactly what you need to get through your your last research your last uh your last uh, i don't know uh, podcast that you have been listening to your last youtube watches they can just give you exactly what you need so at that point we say the artificial intelligence is really reaching a really good point but sometimes when you see the lisa as you say or i don't know some models that they really don't really meet the uh our expectations we say were far. So what do you say about artificial intelligence? Are we in good advancement or are we still far from our goal or or what is the goal of AI first? Well, I'm not an expert, but from what it seems to me, um, I don't feel like, at this point, I don't feel like anybody really knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, a lot of people are just trying so many different approaches, uh, but no one has really got the ultimate answer to creating a really intelligent machine. So, you, you know, you have so many attempts uh, in computer vision, in natural language processing, uh, in robotics, but, uh, you know, nobody has ever been able to come up with something that encompasses all of these things. I think that's, like, going to be really difficult. And, you know, maybe it's going to uh, emerge out of developing each one of these parts separately. Exactly, so. yeah. Uh, I was I was I was just talking about this thing, because people usually confuse a an AI algorithm with uh, with the whole uh, with all the functionalities of your brain. So the most successful projects that I see right now, they just take a part of their brain, they just tear it up, and they try to build an algorithm based on those uh, on those aspects. If I give you an example of the the self driving the Tesla self driving cars, they're really making some really good investment. Can you just imagine going from I don't know, LA to San Francisco without touching the wheel. It is just amazing. But if we go to the attempts to uh, to make a whole brain at once, they usually do not succeed. So 
So you say that it's better to separate the parts and try to work on them. Yeah, right. Uh, there's, there's currently a lot of successes in narrow AI. So you get you get it to perform really well on certain narrow tasks, but you can't get something that can you know get literally everything done, uh, from helping you do your homework to uh, driving your car to talking to you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so sometimes we need, uh, maybe scientists need to reshape our imagination of the future. Because uh, if you go back 10, 20, 30 years ago, they, can they could imagine that in 2020 we would have flying cars, I don't know, some flying boards, but that is not the case. We are not working on that aspect of technology. We are more working on a software development. We are more working on intelligence development. So I guess sometimes we make some wrong predictions of the future. So I think that uh, that happens, it, the same thing happens with AI. So we cannot yeah. really predict what we are going to make in next years. Yeah, I think you never know. I mean, you never know whether AGI is just going to emerge in the next 10 years or it's not going to emerge ever. Uh, all you can do is just work on the problem that you're facing right now, so. Yeah. So you talked about uh, neurons. So one of the basic approach that uh, scientists use are the neural networks. So can you briefly tell us what are the neural networks? Uh, well, it's a technique that was developed back in the 1960s. And it started out as just this really simple, you know, layer of, you know, basically a bunch of neurons where uh, scientists were feeding it. Basically, each neuron would hold the value of a pixel of the pixel of an image and then you just kind of predict what that image is you you adjust the parameters that link the neuron um, you know as, as you give it more and more data you just kind of uh, the the perceptron learns on its own how to recognize you know future images that it has never seen before uh, of course this is like a really this is how it all started but right now it has a you know uh, there's a lot to it right now. So if you, you know, if you want to know, like, what do you want to know? Uh, do you want to know? Yeah, how, how, how it works? Like, what is, uh, I mean, a, an overview of the algorithm. I usually see on some animations, those layers of, uh, of neurons, I mean, uh, sort of passing data from a layer to a layer. Like, I want to understand what are those layers and uh, what makes the decision at the end. So how does the computer know he's wrong? Uh, I mean, the computer knows it's, uh, it is making a right mistake or a wrong mistake uh, or a, a right decision or a wrong decision. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot to it that I don't think we can cover in this podcast, but I will try to make, um, you know, I'll, I will I mean, try. Yeah. In a nutshell, like in a nutshell, how do how, how do those uh, those neurons uh, th those layers work? Okay, so there's uh, there's probably two sides to, to to understanding how these how the uh, super simple version of, of a neural network works, which is like a standard uh, vanilla neural network. Uh, there, there's you know obviously more. There's other versions of neural networks like you know convolutional neural networks, recurrent neural networks, but I'll just stick with the really simple neural net. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm going to start with the intuition part. Uh, so the intuition of this is, imagine you have you have an image, right? Um, yeah. A dog or a cat. <laughs> a dog right. or a cat. Uh, 
Yeah, we can go with the dog or cat, or maybe we could just go with a much simpler example, which is just a digit. Let's say that you have a picture of a digit, right? Mm -hmm. A zero, mm -hmm. or let's say a one. And you're trying to train this neural network to recognize this digit, right? So you're trying to uh, make it learn what that digit is so that when you show it an image that contains a digit two, it just tells you or it gives you a score uh, that's, that's close to one, from zero to one. Mm -hmm. So the first layer just, the, the first layer is basically just the input. So it's all the pixels that make up the image, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, as you move through the layers, uh, it, every layer just contains some sort of high level information about what's in the image. So let's say the second layer, um, the first neuron contains information about certain edges in that digit. And then the 25th layer, let's say, contains information much higher level. The most high level information exists in the latest layers of the neural network, in the last layers of the neural network. So that contains information about, let's say, there's a curvature at the top. There's probably a line at the bottom. There's a curvature right at the center of the image. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you could just sort of like see how you start out with these raw pixels and then as you move through the network, as you progressively move through the layers of the network, you start to build up um, high, you know, high level, in, just high level information about what's going on in the image. So uh, the, the neurons in the last layers just contain information about, let's say that the value of, of the neuron in the last layer is, is zero that might mean that there's no curvature at the top of the image. And then another neuron's value is one, that might mean that there's a line right at the center of the image. This is like a really crude explanation, but yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel like this, this is probably the intuition part. Yeah, so, and, yeah. Right, there's the second side to this and, and it's purely mathematical. So it's not, um, it's, it, you know, it has nothing to do with the intuition. So this is purely mathematical. Imagine that you have a neural network with one single hidden layer right in the middle and just one input and one output. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I can, yeah, I do. Okay. You just, you did not mention what are the hidden layers. Maybe the auditors or the listeners uh, don't know what are the hidden layers. So the hidden layer is the layer in a neural network schema that you find in the middle. You have the, the entry layer, is that its name? And the, uh, the there's the, there's the input layer and then the output the layer. Yeah, and the input and the, and the output and the hidden in uh, in the middle of the schema. So just to uh, to imagine, right. everything that comes in between is just the hidden layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go back. You were talking about the hidden layers and uh... right. Uh, the hidden layers is actually like the reason why they work in the first place. Mathematically, it's just. Uh, all, all it's trying to do is it's just trying to approximate a nonlinear function. And uh, maybe that's just too much jargon for some people, so I'll just go ahead and explain what mm -hmm. that is. I, I mean, uh, like, maybe the listeners, they will get bored, so, so we, can, we, can go, uh, we can go on jargon, I guess. I, we can go on simplified concepts. It's better. Right, so uh, it's almost like you have... Um, okay, so imagine that you have, like... Okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't know how to put this into words, but just give me a second. Yeah, just, just take your time, yeah, no problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So it has something to do with probabilities, right? Well, some part of it does uh, with, with the activation functions in the neurons. Uh, so uh, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, let's say, a table of inputs and outputs, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like your data. Mm -hmm. And then what you want to do is you want to find the function. You want to figure out the function that takes you from X to Y. All right. Right. So, you so know, a, find that function, right? We're like, looking for it. Okay. Yeah. Like, a, you know, a super easy example of this would be let's say there's a table of X and Y values, and the X value is one, the Y value is one, the X value is two, the Y value is two. Function is pretty obvious. You know, F of X is equal to X. That's like a super easy thing. But when you have like a lot of different values uh, in your table, and you can't really see a relationship between your x and y variables. It's it's like obviously pretty nonlinear. That's when you need a neural network to approximate that nonlinear function that takes you, that maps the input to the output. Mm -hmm. Right. So every time you feed your neural network with an input, every time you feed it, and then you get some kind of output. Yeah. Right, so when you get to that output, uh, what the algorithm does then is it compares it to uh, it compares it to the right output, and then when it does that, it tries to adjust the parameters, you know, these weights, right. these. Right. Yeah. So, the, so they, they they keep changing the parameters, right? Right, they keep changing the parameters every time you feed it with some data. It nudges the parameters, the weights, and the biases until it gets the right output. And then over time, you could see, I mean, there's there's this fascinating animation that I found on this website. It's called, uh, I believe, deeplearningandneuralnetworks.com, or maybe it's neuralnetworksanddeeplearning.com. Um, and there's this- so they, they can see the the uh, the working process of, of the layers. Yeah. I mean, how to change par parameters and get the right answer. Right, so when, you look, when you look at a one-dimensional when you look at a one-dimensional function, it's really easy to see when the parameters change, you can see how the shape of the function changes to fit the data points uh, on the 2D plane, I mean, on the 2D graph, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's it's really, I mean, I think that's like a more mathematical uh, explanation of what's going on. Obviously, you can't really picture what's going on when you just have you know, millions of uh, neurons in the input layer but uh, a really simple version of that is just one neuron, mm -hmm. one input neuron. Good, 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 good. So I just wanted also to know more about the areas as we know, usually there are three main popular uh, areas. We have our branches, we call them. We have the supervised learning and supervised learning and reinform, re reinforcement learning. Talk about the most popular one, I guess it is the supervised learning. Yeah, I would say like these are, I think these are like subsets of machine learning, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, when you think about AI, there's like so many branches, you know, so many people are doing so many different things that you can't really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of different, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, can make, you can't make so, it out in three main branches. Like people are doing a lot of research everywhere. Yeah, but, uh, the, the, the hottest topic 
as of now, as of 2020 is machine learning and, you know, more specifically deep learning. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so do you want me, what do you want me to talk about? I mean, talk about the, maybe we start with the, with, so first, where do we classify deep learning and machine learning? Or uh, are they now branches by themselves? Well, machine learning is just a branch of AI and deep learning is like a subset of machine learning. So it's just part of machine learning. Uh, so I have some information. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just want you to, to check this. So is, is, um, is machine learning the one that we, uh, maybe we give, we make a model, a training model, something like that. And then we, we train that model. And if it makes mistakes, we try to shape that and then something like this. So, so we create the algorithm and we have the data set and we have a training model. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's something along those lines. It's, uh, yeah, it's just basically of your model or like a certain, you have, you know, certain structure to, to your function, right? You have all these weird random parameters and then you have a data set and you want to refine those parameters so as to, you know, come up with a function that makes better predictions. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and about the supervised learning, so it is usually defined as a, as a learning function. I mean, that maps an input to an input based on an example input-output pairs. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So can you, can you just give us some examples of uh, super, supervised learning uh, uh, algorithms? Um, you mean like real-world applications or...? Yeah, real-world application, exactly. Well, there's actually so much. Uh, there's... Um, Maybe self-driving cars, vice-versa. Yeah, cars. The Tesla Autopilot actually uses um, uh, convolutional neural networks to do this. They have a super gigantic convolutional neural network uh, that, you know, that's just, you know, eating up data all the time and, you know, training all the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there's also, okay, self-driving cars, what else? Uh, maybe voice recognition, image recognition. Yeah, I mean, all those things. Uh, text recognition as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place. I mean, you don't really find, it's not just convolutional neural networks. You could find, you know, a lot of other variants as well. Uh, it really depends on, on the application. So when we talk about machine learning, I've noticed that we talk a lot about recognizing. So is recognizing uh, a key functionality for, for the human brain or why did they pick only recognizing? Is it like, uh, as I said, a basic and uh, fundamental activity for the brain? Why don't we move to processing data? I don't know, like consciousness or the brain has different activities. So what is the importance of recognizing things for you? Um, I guess this is like a question that I've been pondering for for months now. And um, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, probably the only reason that people are so caught up with, with recognition right now is just, well, first off, because you need it for so many things. I mean, we could recognize, you know, dogs, objects, uh, we, we could recognize a lot of things, but we don't just recognize things as humans. Uh, I mean, 
one of the problems that I have with, with deep learning and machine learning in general is that let's say that you're trying to recognize a certain, let's say that you're trying to recognize a car. You know, I've, you know, I've built a model that recognizes cars and let's say I'm just feeding it, feeding this model an image of a car. Um, and if you feed it like millions of images of cars, it's, it's just going to give you some pretty good accuracy. But let's say that you take the wheel out of that car. Mm -hmm. Are you following? Yeah, I'm following. Yeah. Just, just like uh, feeding, uh, feeding, uh, feeding the model with the model with, uh, with car car pictures and then taking out the wheel okay right let's say that you bring in an image of a car without wheels uh the model is probably going to classify the you know the image as a car but it's going to give you you know a 90 percent it's, it's probably going to tell you that it, this is like it's probably like a 90 percent chance that this is a car or an 80 percent chance mm -hmm. just because it is missing wheels but if you're a human, you don't actually, if someone just, you know, brings a car um, without wheels, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to tell that person that this is a car. It's probably 80% a car. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're just going to, you know, say this is a car, but it is missing wheels. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this is like a main difference between uh, the current models and just how humans usually just perceive things. We usually... You know, there's so many approaches to computer vision, and um, the one that seems to work right now is uh, the supervised learning approach. Uh, it works really well, but the only problem that I have with that is that we humans don't merely just take in all the photons. Like, it, it consumes a lot of data. What do you think? Yes, and it doesn't really know what's going on. You know, we humans, we probably don't take in photons and then we multiply their values by, I don't know, parameters and then we just recognize things. We actually construct, uh, you know, what's in the real world, right? So if I give you, you know, if you see a car, you take in all of that rich data and then you try to create a sort of um, high level representation of that car. So you just... Yeah, so... Understand what's you know what's in there. You understand that there's like you understand every single part of what's going on. But when it comes to current machine learning methods, you just have this really black box, and you don't know what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. True, true. And some people give uh, an example of that. Uh, humans they just learn. They are more efficient at learning, and they they have tendency to say that machine learning is is just stupid, just as machines used to be. Not stupid in in the way that we don't, uh, that the, the algorithm does not think, but stupid in the way that it consumes a lot of data to learn, uh, to learn a few things. So I guess you can give us some numbers how a, a an efficient model can can say that a dog is a dog, and a cat is a cat compared to a human. Like if you grab a little kid that has never seen a cat or a dog. In two, three pictures, you can just get a, I can say, 100% uh, accuracy. While for, for algorithms, maybe tons and tons of data, and you still have a lack of uh, efficiency. Yeah, right. Uh, this is an ongoing debate about, you know, whether... Um... Should we invest more or should we change the approach? <laughs>
Um, I don't really know because, you know, when you think about biological organisms like like humans, you know, the the entire structure of our brain is just fundamentally different from that of a computer. So I'm not even sure if there's ever going to be an approach that's going to beat uh, or that's going to reach um, sort of like human level vision, for example. I think we can get really good. It can get really good. Mm -hmm. But it probably can't entirely simulate until you, you know, unless you reverse engineer the human brain. But you probably can't come up with something uh, that you can run on your computer, like an algorithm of some sort that could, you know, entirely mimic uh, the actual biological process that's going on in our brains. Mm -hmm. But before, before trying to mimic in the, as I said, the technical side of the brain, I guess there is first a philosophical debate about that, like how can we recreate the consciousness if it does exist? So I guess we need first to define consciousness and uh, try to understand the depth of that and how it works and how, how to, to make something think. As you said, like uh, these algorithms are sort of black boxes. You just don't understand what's going on. They do not process thoughts. They just, uh, the, the robotic way. You have an algorithm model, train your model to give the result. So we are, I think, away from mimicking the, the consciousness, which means we are away from mimicking the human brain. What do you think about consciousness and, uh, and the brain? I don't think, you know, I don't think I know anything about the brain or consciousness, so I don't really feel qualified to answer that question. But I can, like, tell you the, you know, the major three approaches that people who are working uh, in AI are following, you know, at least when it comes to the mind, you know, excluding robotics. Uh, so the major three approaches that, you know, people are following are self-reflection. This is the first one. So you just reflect on your own thoughts and you watch them as they go. Uh, so, and, and based on that, you just try to create algorithms that mimic your own thinking. So if you think about symbolic AI or just rule-based systems, things like expert systems, uh, just use that. You know, they just try to think about how, how do I think about this? And then you try to take that process uh, and then you just try to mimic it using an algorithm. Uh, and then the second one is just, you know, uh, following certain mathematical models, things like neural networks. So it's just pure math. And then the, the third approach, which uh, I don't think that anybody has ever been able to successfully, you know, make any meaningful advances in is uh, reverse engineering the brain. Uh, and that takes, that takes like a shit ton of compute power and yeah and, and talking about compute power i went to get out yeah, of it. people are not really you know no one really knows what consciousness is i mean no one can give a proper scientific definition of what consciousness is or what the brain really is but these are like the three major approaches that people are trying you know taking to mm -hmm. uh, recreate whatever this is mm -hmm. yeah yeah, the human consciousness is still a, a problem there, as I said. Like, should we give uh, a machine the power to decide? Do you think that it's possible one day to have a machine that decides on its own? Okay, I've been answering too many questions, so I'll let you answer that. <laughs> well, 
I think that, uh, I don't know, I have a problem first with consciousness and I'm not really sure if we can remake that or if it exists or any sort of that. But uh, I think that we are still away from making a machine that uh, that makes decisions on its own, like as simple as that. We are still away, like seeing the models that are exist on the market, that exist on, on, uh, on universities right now, we still, and I think it would be it would be uh, a good thing, but in a limited uh, in a limited way. I don't think we should give the free will. I don't know. <laughs> I feel uh, I feel afraid about that. I don't think I can give a free will to a machine. And uh, yeah, that's it. So, what do you think? Let's say that uh, you're, let's say that you're creating an AI system. What kinds of decisions would you? you know, have it make in the first place. Like, uh, imagine right now a certain decision that's being made by, you know, a human being, like a politician or a president. Would you... That is the problem. It's, it's a problem of trust, I believe. Source I, that. Cannot, I cannot trust the machine, maybe. Maybe some generations later they will trust uh, the machine. For example, I give some data uh, uh, of... of uh, of a presidential elections uh, candidates, and I I wait for the machine to give me the result. Like, would I take that into consideration? Uh, I don't know. I mean, given the Trump data for the last forty years and the Joe Biden the Joe Biden data for the last forty years, and then let the machine decide. I, I don't think it's possible <laughs> to trust the machine. So right. I think that there there are some human decisions that should be automatized but some others it should be led to the, to the humans i think um i'm really against automatizing everything and not automatizing everything we should think wisely the tasks that should be automatized mechanized so so we don't fall into uh, a terminator scenario an ai takeover yeah an ai takeover so, so but but I think I think you know if we are actually capable of creating a, an AI, it's fully understandable that we understand you know how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, then I think like a rational AI could totally make many decisions that a president could make. I mean, let's say that uh, let's say that you have a pandemic like the coronavirus right now in 2020. One of the mistakes that Trump made was that he had a really delayed response to the pandemic. And I think like an AI system would probably not make that mistake. It would buy the damn ventilators before it's too late. <laughs> it would save yeah. you know, so many lives. Yeah, because you know, when you're a president, you have a certain freedom to do something stupid, right? Yeah. But when you're an AI, I don't think that you, like if you're super rational, you know, people are gonna die, we need to put money uh, into this into this area to save lives, and that's just going to happen without any delay. So, true, true. Like human stupidity has no limits, just like Einstein said. Yeah, because you know, if you have like a super rational AI, then uh, true, true, totally agree. Yeah. So yeah, so if we make some rational, uh, some rational creatures, or let's say machines that give us good decisions, that would be really good. I mean, even humans, they can use them. So they can just uh, put a computer uh, in the White House and, I don't know, <laughs> let the computer decide. 
that would be that would be good. Or just uh, take into the decision. I mean, before taking the decision, you have the political the political decision, the the board decision, and you should add to that the computer decision. I think that is one of the perspectives I had about I have about computer science about uh, AI. Yeah, of course. Mm. We can really uh, that can serve as a good thing for humans. Yeah, good, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, so these are the perspectives. Anything to add, Yahya? Anything to maybe you can add some tips to learn AI, to learn uh, machine learning, to learn programming. What do you think? Um, I wouldn't say that. You know, I'm not. Like I'm not super. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who know AI much better than I do. So, uh, I mean, no means an authority. I mean, no way like an authority on this. But I think you should just kind of start doing it. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on what kind of person you you know what you want out of this. If if you are you know sort of like practical person and you just want to get certain results done and not care about the theoretical uh, intricacies of what's going on you know under the hood, uh, then you can get started pretty easily. Just download some framework and just get started uh, right away. Yeah, but uh, if you're like me, then uh, you're just gonna have to probably read a couple books and just brush up on your calculus, linear algebra, probabilities, uh, statistics, maybe, or that is more of a data scientist uh, thing. Yeah, it's like you have to learn a little bit of math if you want to learn the theory of what's going on under mm -hmm. the hood. True. I guess for students or for CS students, the most important part is the theoretical one. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do uh, research, but uh, for practical side, it is more of a uh, business side. I mean, if you're working AI, yeah. you are you are making uh, I mean concrete projects. That is more of a business project, not a research project. It is. I mean, if you want, I'm I'm more inclined to research, so I. I don't really care so much about creating a solution using existing tools as much as I do about, you know, trying to think about the tools new tools. Makes new yeah. tools, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, if, if you're more inclined to research, then you have to learn a lot of math uh, and programming as well. Just make sure you learn the fundamentals really well. Uh, and if you just want to do, you know, business or use the existing tools, then, you know, YouTube is your friend. That's one thing, and GitHub. Yeah, that's that's another. Yeah, there are some super interesting uh, repos out there about artificial intelligence, about open source projects. It is really helpful. Like the GitHub community is really helpful. Yeah, it I is. How our our dads and our, I mean, our fathers and teachers used to learn without GitHub, without Stack Overflow, without. Uh, without YouTube. It was it was tough, I believe. I mean yeah. there, there were books, but it was not as accessible as now. Yeah, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. So have you heard of the Chinese what? have you heard of the Chinese room argument? The Chinese no. I've read a I've I've not heard of that. So can you just say what is it? Basically it's like a thought experiment. Uh you know, an AI, and you know, it's it's just about this 
uh, really cool scientist who just says, let's say that I'm locked up in a room and you pass me uh, some Chinese writing under the door. And then I just take all that Chinese writing. I take all those symbols and then I, I have a book where I can look up uh, basically the translation of that phrase. So I just look for that phrase and then I just return to you uh, the translated you know, version of that in English, and then I just pass it back under the door. Mm -hmm. uh, would that mean, would that mean that I actually understand Chinese when I translated that? Would that mean that I have any understanding of those symbols? No, absolutely not. Because you're going to, uh, I guess you're just going to, 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 to assemble those, uh, those shapes and then you make out a letter in English or, or a character or, or, or a sentence and then you push it back. So I don't think you're mastering Chinese or you're understanding Chinese. You're just recognizing shapes and you are sending them back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's like the entire conclusion is like human minds or human brains do not follow, you know, computer-like uh, processing. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not as rigid as the you know the algorithms that try to just you know do if then statements. Uh, it's it's just a lot more than that. Konnichiwa. If I get the konnichiwa shape, then it's hello. If I get <laughs> yeah, so it is not how it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like uh, what this guy's trying to say is that this inner biological thing that's going on in our you know heads it's not something that that's computer like so the best thing we can do is just to simulate the entire thing mm -hmm. true nice that is really nice like we have learned a new thing so today we had the definition of ai different areas and branches we've talked about neural networks we have talked about the chinese room argument some perspectives and philosophical aspects of AI. And this was our 101 episode of AI until artificial intelligence with, uh, with Budah Yahya, a friend from Constantine, ACS student. So I guess we are coming to the end of this podcast. We have made around 40, 50, I don't really know. It was so good that I just forgot and I lost the track of time. Yeah, me too. Uh, can you just uh, you have the final word to the audience um, I don't know um, okay <laughs> learn a lot and be curious I guess <laughs> ask a lot of questions yeah that's the key I mean your AI journey started with asking questions how does the brain work yeah I guess mm -hmm. so and just uh, don't rely just try to think for yourself mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're just making it super interesting that I guess I'm going to start learning more about AI because I'm more of a software engineering guy. <laughs> yeah, you should. I, mean, I, I remember when I came to your house once and then you started making fun of me. What is this, you know, what's that that you're learning? You should probably go learn, you know, backend development <laughs> or something. Or Java or, or C Sharp or... <laughs> yeah, something that's tangible, uh, you know, that has a real value in the market. Yeah, so... Thank you so much, Yahya. I hope I can see you in the upcoming podcast. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I did, and it was really good. And uh, that's it.
Thank you, guys. See you soon. Stay tuned. All right. Bye.